Welcome to Genius Leadership, Overcoming Everything podcast. Join me every week for insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their roller coaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. I'm your host, Anna Lieben, and before we kick off, let me invite you to a complimentary strategy call where during 30 minutes we work on identifying your zone of genius and lay out a plan for you to stay in that zone as much as possible. Schedule the call via link in the show notes. And for now, let's take a ride together. Welcome, genius leaders, to another episode of this podcast. Before I start introducing my guests and talking about the highlights from the conversation, I want to read out one of the reviews that was left to us on the Apple Podcasts. It's from KJ Rook from the United Kingdom. Talking about that, we have at least seven countries uh, that have left the review or people from seven countries, which is amazing to me. So this one is called Genius Leadership. Love this podcast concept from Anna, and she perfectly articulates the life of a leader. I can't wait to hear more from Genius Leadership. I recommend anyone who leads in all the various forms to listen in. Thank you so much, KJ Rook, and everyone else who is listening to the podcast and taking an extra minute to tap those stars and give us a review because it helps. It helps other people find us. It helps them think that we are valid and we give value and spend their precious time just like you do every time tuning in and listen and learn with us. So thanks again for doing that and leave a review and maybe I will give the shout out to you next time. So talking about today's episode, it's the recording of the webinar we did in April. I had a very special guest this time. It was uh, one of my clients, Daniel Carlson. Uh, Daniel co-owns a project management consulting firm uh, in Sweden. It's called Unique Partner. So he's a leader both in his own company and at his clients during the assignments. Daniel holds a PhD degree in chemistry and has project management from several uh, pro- project management experience from several industries, including IT and life science. And why I said it, it's a very special guest to me is because most of my guests or my clients are quite, we discuss very personal things with their leadership development. Thus, it's not everyone who is ready to be put in the spotlight and discuss very openly, like Daniel, the challenges that he has as a leader and the the journey, just sharing the journey of not being perfect and knowing your gap where you need to develop and sharing how you do it. So I was very grateful to Daniel that he stepped up and wanted to share. And it was actually his initiative. He started talking in one of the sessions that we need to normalize leadership coaching. Why do I not know that many leaders who are doing what you're doing with me? It should be norm. It's normal in the sports. And he's discussing that in the conversation that you'll hear. But no one is doing it in leadership. And... I was very happy to to see his enthusiasm and then decided to use it. So this is a very raw conversation for both of us. We're also putting me in the spotlight and showing how I am imperfect in my coaching sometimes. And we discuss how how difficult it can be to be vulnerable and true to yourself while still being professional. One example of me coaching Daniel not on example of him being a leader. So this is a very raw conversation because um, I'm sharing a family situation, which is still, which I'm still in the midst of. 
uh, and it's difficult to know where it will go, but I hope for the best. And we just discuss how that has been affecting me and how that is helping both of us, me and Daniel as my client, to learn. So listen about that. We also talk about how different leaders can have the same issue, but different perspectives on it. Daniel gives a pers- uh, an example of providing negative feedback that his challenge is more on a side of being too soft and being afraid of hurting other person's feelings. And he's talking about how we have been working on him improving on that matter and taking the responsibility off his shoulders for the receiving part as much as he does. But he's also saying that for some people, it's vice versa. Some people don't care about the receiving part at all and just shoot their feedback in a rude, hurtful manner. And for them, the gap is there and they need to work on that. So it's very good to to pay attention to what is your gap. Even if you have the common, quote unquote, leadership challenge, maybe you have a different twist on it and you are on a different part of the spectrum than people that people around you. And it's important to find the ways to improve, to fill your gap and not a gap, if you know what I mean. We also discuss how Daniel has chosen me and what you could look at when choosing a coach for yourself, if you're interested in that. The other topic is the importance of self-esteem for the zone of genius. Daniel talks about how he's working on self-esteem through his work with me and on his own in between the sessions. And how he sees the importance of having the strong self-esteem to be able to identify and reclaim your zone of genius. We also talk a lot about taking action. It all boils down to that. You can know the whole world, but without taking action on it, the knowledge is worthless. And I'm just summarizing in this in these words that might be triggering some people, but it's that's true. And Daniel is pointing out on a multiple occasions during the interview how important it is to actually take the time and put it on the calendar and just put a stick in the ground and say, hey, this is what is important for me and I need to make it happen. And just really make it happen. Not overthink and strategize and plan how before you commit, but first commit and take decision and then figure out the how. Listen for his tips as well about carving up time for yourself, whether it is for your personal development where, or your hobbies, things that recharge you, but really finding the time and then define what to do with it as well. And Daniel shares his journey on how he has been identifying his ways of being in his, in his zone of genius and really finding those activities that he loves doing. And it's actually a real pleasure for me to watch him identifying that and finding his own truth. And that's what also what he's talking about in the interview, that we're taught to do things, just do things because the others do them. And it's so important to find your way of doing things and your things to do so that you can be truly happy. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And as always, let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. Uh, I just introduced myself and start with that. I'm Anna Liebel. I'm leadership coach working with male leaders in tech, helping them reclaim their zone of genius. And that's the topic of the today's uh, show or today's conversation that I'll have with Daniel Carson. 
but a bit more about me. I have a project management background. I used to work in Sweden and uh, at the moment I live in Iceland. And since I moved to Iceland, I started my own company working with leaders. And I help them reclaim their zone of genius, as I said, by eliminating reactivity, transforming the leadership style of theirs, and also helping them become the catalysts of thriving company culture. And I really love this work. And I'm very, very excited to have one of my clients today with me, Daniel Carlson. Daniel, warmest welcome to the show and to the stage. Thanks a lot. So we'll talk about reclaiming your zone of genius, but I wanted to give a bit of a background or the context to people. So I would like to start with asking you, how was your experience with coaching before me? And also what motivated you to look for a coach when you looked or found me? And also what motivated you to start working with me? Hmm. So so before I started working with you, I had a little bit of experience working with a coach. I had a, a, poaching, a person coaching me for a couple of sessions. It was maybe four or five years ago. And uh, it had, I say, huge effect, and it made me take an like extra leap. And uh, now I was, I was in a situation where I was feeling that I was a bit uh, standing still and wanted to to uh, continue to take the next step. So that's kind of the, the the background why I started to to look out for for a new uh, coaching work. And actually, talking about the first experience of yours four or five years ago, what motivated you to? ask for help then if you see coaching as help. Yeah, in, in that case, I was working at a company and we had one senior person coming there and he yeah, we've been working quite a lot and, and together. And uh, he kind of acted as a, as a coach during our meetings and sessions. And then I just asked if it was okay for for him to coach me for, for a couple of hours. And I also talked with my manager and everyone was, was happy with that. So he kind of took on that, that uh, responsibility. And uh, yeah, since, since then he also uh, developed and is now a formal coach. So it was something that, that he had within himself. Yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> it rings the bell to me as well. All right. And then you were looking for, for someone who would help you take those next leaps as with previous experience of yours. And then you ran into me in on LinkedIn. So tell us a bit more about the experience of getting to know me and deciding to work with me. Yeah. So, so first a bit of, let's take one step back. So when I was uh, starting to look for a coach, I wanted to have someone who was not in my immediate network. And, and the reason for that is I, I really wanted to, to have someone that I don't have any business relationship and that I can be like completely honest with. And uh, of course, you can be that if you have like a, a good manager or with people that are within your network. But I feel I felt like I wanted to have someone who was a bit outside. And I, I started to to look around, and I found you on on LinkedIn. I thought I think I started by by reading your post and so on. And then I saw one of your livelinners, and I thought you you made a very good impression. You asked uh, good questions, and you seemed to to uh, know what you were talking about. So after that, we made contact and I scheduled uh, a strategy call, I think you call them. And, and after that, uh, yeah, I got all the indications I needed to, to, to move on to the next step. And um, I wasn't searching for someone who could help with, with my, like one specific thing, but more to, to give a, like a broad perspective so I could be able to, to discuss more broadly. And uh, what I heard from you, you kind of gave me that uh, opportunity. So it was not like we should focus on this slim thing, but taking the whole uh, leadership experience. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't work with a particular curriculum or I don't have a program that everyone goes through the same way because you clients can come with one description of one situation or one problem, but then we start uncovering it and unfolding it and we find some other layers and it turns to a completely different scope. And I don't want to misguide you that we'll work on particularly that thing that you want to, you think, because it might not be the solution that you're looking for. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So I'm very open to, to explore together with my clients. And that's also something that there's a must for me when we go into, in those strategy calls, when we also look in, uh, into working together, that's one of my checkpoints. Like, okay, is this person open to explore together and not like have the predictability and have the particular schedule of the sessions and so on. So it's, it's good that we connected on that point. <laughs> Yeah, just just more reflection. If I was, if I had a specific topic, say that I was afraid of spiders or something, then I really I could pinpoint. I mean, I need someone with KBT uh, to help me with that one. But uh, yeah, here's just the broad spectrum. That's the one I was looking for. And uh, it was in mid December that we started working, and we have our weekly calls, uh, unless there is some holiday like last week with the Easter. And it's five week, uh, five month commitment that we're having, and we're three months into it. And I'd like to talk about how your process of reclaiming your zone of genius is going. And one of the problems that you came to me with, or one of the things that you wanted to work on, is giving ne- negative feedback. And I would like to go into that conversation first of all, because it's a very exciting one for me at the moment, because we had quite a, an interesting situation two weeks ago when you had to practice that on me. And just to give a bit of a context to everyone, I'm, I'm going, to, going through a difficult situation in the family. My mom has, uh, they found a tumor on her heart uh, just several weeks ago. And it was quite quick that they uh, did a surgery and removed the tumor. So it's been a bit of a difficult situation. And I'm originally from Ukraine and my family is still there. So it's, it's hard to be away in Iceland and at the moment with the COVID it's not just like buying a ticket and hopping on a plane and being there for my family and it's quite a hard situation to try to support her and the rest of the family and at the same time run my business uh, do the things here and at the same time we moved to our new home last week and so on so it's been a lot of things quite conflicting with each other on an emotional level and our last session with you Daniel we had a one and a half weeks ago. And just before that, in the morning, I talked to my mom and she looked very bad. Actually, she didn't look like she felt well. And I took that with me into the conversation with you. And in the beginning, when you asked me how I'm doing, which we usually do, we started the call with that. I was honest with you that I said, I'm not well. And I realized that I'm just about to break up, break out in, in tears, and which did happen a bit. So I just said to you that I'm... Yeah, my family member is not feeling well and I'm, I'm not sure how it will go because at the moment we still don't know what kind of cancer it was and how bad it is and, and so on. And then I said, I want to focus on what I can affect at the moment because with that situation, I can't do much. So let's go with the session. And I have seen that that has affected you a lot throughout the session, that I just kind of closed the door and we went on. And... We still had a good conversation. You still got some points out of it. But I felt like I owed you something afterwards. And that's why I explained it to you in the email afterwards, what 
in a bit more detail what's going on. And after that, we had a conversation the day after just to discuss that. And after that second conversation, you said that it was the most difficult feedback conversation you've ever had to take. And I would like to discuss that a lot. Just first of all, going through this context from your side, what you have experienced, and then talking about why was it so difficult and why did you actually get into that conversation despite it being so difficult? There's many thoughts popping in my head right now, but uh, <laughs> let's take them down one by one. If we focus on, on this, this specific call, first of all, we have spent a couple of times discussing, giving the negative feedback. And we, we talked about concepts like, okay, I'm not fully responsible of the receiving end. And uh, as long as I do it uh, to uh, to make a really good intention to help the other person like improve and stuff like that, then it's, uh, then it's okay for me to give what could be perceived as, as negative feedback. Just one thing about not focusing on the receiving end is like for, for some persons, I think maybe they need to focus more on the receiving end and because they, they say things that are not perceived well. But in my case, I'm, I'm more on the other side. So I think maybe a bit too much on the receiving end. So that's kind of a background why I don't uh, feel comfortable in, in giving negative feedback. And especially if the, the, the feedback doesn't have a bar to be measured against. I mean, if, if, I, if I know that you're, you're supposed to be uh, reach five on a scale and you're, number, if you're just three, then it's easy for, for me to give feedback because then I can point to something concrete. But I, if I just feel like something, or, or then it's more, more difficult for, for me to, to bring it forth in, in a good way. And we discussed that many, many times. And this, in this specific me- meeting, uh, as I said, I noticed that that someone something was was, was wrong, and uh, that kind of uh, I had that within me for the whole meeting, and I could like focus maybe maybe eighty percent on the topic. And you did a good good job to to try to keep the conversation, but then now we will be sounding a very egoistic. But the the coaching meeting is about me, and the focus should be on me. So. Best case scenario, I should just I shouldn't need to think about your emotional state during the conversation. Now I'm very like uh, egoistic, but that, no, that's, you're very fair. Yeah. So after the conversation, uh, you sent me the, the email and I read it through, and I was like, okay, I I think that I need to exp- to express how I felt and and give it as a feedback because uh, I can imagine that. In some situations, if you were in this state, it would not be good for you, for your business and for your way going forward. So I had, had kind of a good intention with giving this neg- negative feedback. But it was it was very difficult due to two things. First of all, I didn't have the, the bar to, to measure it against. So, and, uh, But then I had your, your, your um, teachings in the back of my head saying that it's, it's okay anyways. Uh, and um, yeah, secondly, I knew that it's a very sensitive topic for, for you. I wanted to be able to do, to deliver the feedback in a way that you understand it's a positive feedback and it doesn't like break, break you down too much. So it was a combination of knowing that you were in this uh, emotional state and to give negative feedback. Both those things were combined, which made it extra difficult. In, I mean, in most of the cases, uh, people aren't in that uh, sensitive state. So it kind of added, added some extra complexity. Would you have gotten into this conversation three months ago before we started working together, if you would be in a similar situation? I don't think so. 
I, I, maybe I would have asked a bit more like after the meeting what happened, but then I, I think I would have left it there. It's kind of something that I noticed throughout the coaching sessions are like, in the beginning, I had difficult situations, difficult discussions, and then I was thinking about the discussions before and, and afterwards. And it was a bit of a process. And now when we are a few like months in, I can look back in a week and realize that I had like three or four such conversations without really noticing any special things about them. It's difficult to point a finger on exactly what has happened, but I think it's the, the process that we've been going through with, with discussing like all the details and, and you have helped me to, to, to like uh, probe my thinking and to maybe shine other lights on, on how I think and, and give me new per- perspectives and new, new tools to handle those situations. But it's not like when I go into such a difficult uh, situation that I like, okay, what did Anna say exactly about this situation? It's more, I mean, it's internalized. And that's not a good thing with having this long engagements that, that you, you push for like five months. It really gives us a chance to discuss a topic and then I can go home and think about it and I can write, like, write summaries and, and, <laughs> and try to uh, internalize it. And then I can come back a few weeks later when, when the seed has been growing and we can discuss it once more. And because to me, it like, takes, takes time to, to <laughs> and I need to, to discuss this topic. Mm-hmm. So. And it's not only for you, Daniel, it's, that's actually a process for everyone to internalize those learnings. And I think that's the big problem with the short, intense trainings that on leadership that quite often often happens within the companies when companies send their leaders or aspiring leaders to the trainings. And it all looks super good on the paper and theory is really making sense. But then leaders come back to their workplace and one week later, they have a situation that like, so how am I supposed to apply this to this situation now? I have no clue and they have nowhere to go. And that's why I am pushing for the longer engagement with my clients so that you actually can get with those situations to me and say, hey, Anna, here's the situation. What do I do now? And then we play through it. We discuss it. And then you kind of learn how to apply the knowledge that you're getting in the practice that, that you are living through as a leader. So that's a very important process. And I think I want to point out a couple of things here that you said. First of all, the that even with the same problem or same challenge, different people can have different perspectives. Like you said, that you are more on the side that you're filtering yourself too much when you need to give a negative feedback because you don't want to upset someone, you don't want to be perceived rude or so. And the, the other people could be on the other part of the spectrum where they just don't care and they give it too hard, they give it maybe in a rude way hurting people. So it's a spectrum, right? And it's, diff- it's it's important to understand where you are on those spectrums and what your particular challenges are, whether it's given negative feedback or anything else, what you, you were facing as a leader. So I, I think it's a very good point to really, again, emphasize there is no one size fits all. And you need to really figure out where are your gaps or what do you want to learn and improve and work on those particular areas. And talking about choosing the coach, look for that and ask for that. Be bold when you're having those free calls. Ask like, okay, this is my situation. What can you offer me here? And discuss it with a potential coach of yours. And and think about, does their approach fit me? Do I feel like they will really help me with my problems? Even if I don't know what my problems are in the moment, how is their approach? How are they exploring the issue with me? I think it's very important. But then talking, going back to this conversation, I we discussed it with you that, uh, you, you know, first of all, you gave me a very good question when we had the post-session discussion. You asked, like, would you be the same? Would you show up the same way for someone who 
in the first call. And I said that I would still show up. The question was, would you cancel it? I said, I would still show up, but I think I would not open up as much because, and I think this was what you cared about, right? That this can hurt my business, for example. And I'm not saying that it will never do, (laughs) but what we discussed with you in the uh, conversation is that it's very hard balance. People are talking about that you need to be vulnerable and you need to show your emotions as a leader, but there is no scale, as you say, (laughs) and there is no handbook and blueprint do exactly like this. And especially when it comes to situations like I'm going through, I might be losing my mom at the moment and I'm not next to her. I don't know what's going on. And her, she's trying to protect us, not saying everything. So I see the pain, I see the struggle, but at the same time, it's, it's tough. And that's the thing, like, it's nothing that you get through <laughs> in the leadership coaching or in leadership training, right? It's nothing that you get a kind of a, an instruction step-by-step step how to do. And I think why I got into this call with you and why I shared it with you so vulnerably is because I want to give you permission as well. And that's what I do with my clients, that I want to give you permission to be yourself. And of course, it doesn't, it still has to be professional. And it still has to be about you as a client when we have client calls. But at the same time, I do hope that there is some learning in that and the positive learning for you. And also, I'm so proud of you. And I told you about that in the next call when you told me that, okay, this is a very difficult conversation. I told you that I'm so proud of you that you actually are taking this conversation and you are diving into this storm with me in a very emotional situation for me and quite emotional, quite tough situation for you. And it's amazing to see your progress. As you said, you sometimes have three, four conversations per week with those, like with providing feedback, constructive feedback to people, but you don't really notice. And I, at some point, told you about that, that you started mentioning those conversations as a kind of matter of fact thing, <laughs> which is a huge progress from the start. So I'm, I'm very grateful that we are able to share this experience with, it, with each other. And as I said, I'm, I'm still learning what, what is the so to say, optimal level of vulnerability as a leader, as a coach. It's, um, it's a process of trial and error, but I think it's important to be open to, to try. I would like to latch on to one thing, and that is like um, uh, the openness, which is kind of, to me, that, that's the one divider of a coach and maybe your, your manager, because uh, like one view could be, but you can have all this, the discussions with your manager instead. Why do you need a coach? But talking to a coach, I don't need to prove anything. I don't need to, to um, you would not set my salary for the next few months. I, I can be like 100% open and uh, I can only be right. And there's nothing like, there's no meaning for me to hide anything. I don't need to be strategic about what I'm saying to think maybe this will like uh, uh, decrease my my, uh, my chances of getting promoted or getting a new uh, assignment or, or whatever. It's just like, okay, you are here to serve me and I can say exactly what I want. It's like a, a an open room with soft walls. And that kind of open up, opens up to, to uh, new conversations and new insights, which I think it would be difficult to, with, for me to have it with my manager because then I know that, okay, even though I should be open to my manager, there's still this 
filter there's still this okay i need to to look good and i i cannot like say 100% how it is i just i stay at the 80 or 95% level because like oh i don't want to do to surface those things but but with a coach you can be like 100% and then when you are 100% uh, to yourself and say exactly how you think i mean exactly how you think you can uh, you can start working on that and you will see uh, you will see new effects uh, since you're doing new things, you will also see new effects, and you can like take that take that extra step. So that's also say that uh, that you weren't my coach, but you were someone I was working with and and opening with the same way as you did it. Maybe I wouldn't have given feedback in the same way uh, because I, I didn't practice it before with someone in that emotional state. But now I practice it once with you, and it went okay. So now I have like uh, comfort to to do it for real life. What was going on in your head before the conversation, this kind of second conversation, when you knew that you wanted to, to give me this feedback and we set an extra call to discuss it? There were like, first there were uh, the advice thing. It's like, okay, if you were doing, if you were acting like, like this in the first uh, discussion with a new customer, I think it could uh, serve you in a bad way. So I just want to, yeah, to give you that feedback. And then it was, okay, how should I present it to be on the right level and to like, yeah, polish it or, or like, uh, I was a bit afraid of, of saying the, the, the wrong words or phrasing it in the wrong way since I knew it was kind of very sensitive to you, to you and it still is. So it was those two, those two things who, who like were spinning in my head. How did it feel after the conversation? And it was felt good that I did it. And um, I was just hoping that you received it in, in a good way. And we kind of we ended the discussion pretty abrupt, abruptly because I had another meeting. So maybe it would have been good to take ten more minutes and to to summarize and wrap it up because I still had some some thoughts spinning in my head. I think you did a really great job and talking about the first thing that you said about the piece of advice uh, that it might affect my business uh, if it would be the first call with a new client. Uh, you didn't push it as your opinion. You actually asked questions, and that's what we talked about, and we coached you on that, right? How to yeah, you could have done that like a million times. <laughs> and you did a good job with that. You really did. You asked me questions and you asked me several different questions to explore that together. You said yeah, you, you were really kind of trying to understand my point of view instead of pushing yours. And in the end, you shared your opinion, but it was already after we have explored my part of it and my opinion. So that's a very powerful way of doing it. And I'm really proud that you actually have been able to do that, that this way, to put to kind of to give your feedback this way. And that you practice it on me. And I've seen the effects not only by hearing how you deal with the conversations in your job, but also I've been on a receiving side. And it did feel good. It did. You were very respectful. You were very understanding. But at the same time, you wanted to help. You came into the conversation with the point of view of serving me and helping me improve. That's what we discussed. So uh, I was very proud of that. And I was very thankful that you actually have done it with me. And as I said, by no means have I been perfect in that in that situation. I'm not trying to anyhow explain myself that way, but I think it's it's a great experience for both of us um, to learn from. Yeah, I can just ship in other like advantages of, of, of having a coach. And that's, uh, you told me the, the, the nice word, and that's accountability partner. So it's, 
like in the best case scenario is that you're always your own accountability partner. So you promise yourself something and then you always keep that promise. And it, for me, it works in some cases, but in some cases I need to have some external accountability partner. That's one thing that has pushed me all the way. And, and I like um, to, to really try out the concepts or, or the learnings that you have given me. And, and, and this was like also a case of that is, okay, now I, I cannot go back to Anna and say that I, I give feedback when I notice it's necessary because uh, then I would have been cheating. And uh, <laughs> having you as an accountability partner or having a coach as an accountability partner is one thing which I had a good, have a very good effect for me. That's a red thread that a lot of my clients are going through. That they say that I can't come to, to you and lie into your eyes and say like, okay, I've been doing this and that, what we discussed, or have been practicing that. So that's that's a good way of of me really nudging the, uh, the you you as my client to get into that internalizing for real, and not just jump from topic to topic and not get anywhere in depth. Uh, and, and I mean, that's the main reason why why personal trainer works much better than buying a gym card because they're basically your accountability partner. So it, it's I mean, it's proven, it's, it's proven in many other fields that it's a concept that, that works. And, and then maybe you, you can build your own accountability uh, muscle. <laughs> so you can also practice that part. But but as we discussed, it, it's, it's stages. And just because you feel like you don't need accountability at the moment, it doesn't mean that you'll never, ever need it in the future because you, you're developing, right? I'm attracting high achievers, the people who want to improve, who want to get better at what they do and how they are as a human. So it, it, it will be a spiral that goes up. You keep developing and developing and developing. And sometimes you get into this kind of curve in the spiral where you need a bit of extra momentum. You need some extra push from outside. Even though you're good at accountability with other things that you have already internalized, you're coming to a new level and you need some extra support for that. And that's what we discussed with you, that you need to sometimes lean on me and borrow my confidence in you and borrow my beliefs and uh, my discipline sometimes to uh, to help you with the, this new level. That's for sure one of the roles of me as a coach. Let's go back to one of the things that you said. You said about uh, being true to yourself uh, in this conversation, uh, that... Uh, it's part of that, uh, the, the, the thoughts that were going through your uh, head. And I, I would like to tap into that because I would, I would think that this is one of the things that is the learning for, for you from our coaching, right? Uh, we talk a lot about your zone of genius. We don't use those terms. We talk about your brand, your values, uh, how you want to show up, uh, what kind of um, legacy you want to leave after yourself in each assignment, each workplace you work at and your company. So can you tell tell us a bit about what what has happened on that front since we started working together? Yeah, first I just want you to do to define zone of genius. So it's, it's clear to everyone what you mean by that. So should I do it? Yeah, yeah. Just so, so everyone understands what, what you mean by that concept. For me, it's really being aligned with your values, your inner being, and your ultimate way of thinking how you want to be as a human being in the, in the life. It's a bit like a flow, but if we talk about the state of flow, it's usually about some particular activity. For me, zone of genius is the flow of living. So being in a flow when you live your life. 
So it's not attached to a particular activity. It's really more about being aligned with how you see yourself as the best ultimate version of yourself. Yeah, so I remember pretty pretty early on, we, we started talking about the difference between self-esteem and self-confidence. And um, we, we noticed that I, I think I've always been pretty high on the, the self-confidence scale, but a bit uh, lower on the self-esteem sta- scale. I think I think like to, to stay in your zone of genius, you, you need to to work on your self-esteem so that you can you can dare to do the things that you really want to do, not because you're good at them or because like you're to make your your parents proud or, or whatever, but to really look into yourself and and see what you think is what you enjoy doing. And, and then like uh, dare to 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 do those things. So um, for, for me, that that is like staying in in the zone of genius is to to think about those things. I think we're pretty hard, or at least I'm pretty hard. Like brought up to work to do what I'm good at. That's that's like the, the upbringing. So you're good at this, so do it more. And, and now, like when you. <laughs> have so, some some years under your belt uh, at least i start to think okay what what do i really want to do and am i doing those things or am i just doing the things i'm good at and that's not that's not like an, an easy thing to or at least for me it's not an easy thing to 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 like come to a conclusion for how do you explore uh, what what you would like to do so uh, there are actually i started exploring what i like to do a, a couple of years before our coaching and uh, then I, I, I try to, to look back and see what in what cases have I like enjoyed the situation so much that I lost tr- track of time and, and try to go back and, and see like when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, up to like 20, what in what cases where I'm in the zone. And I try to, to like uh, write, write them down. And now since we started journaling, I also try to write down every day when I'm doing something when I, where I lose track of time and thinking like, this is the best thing ever. And so try to like, uh, yeah, remind myself and to, to just uh, build up a, a database of, of those uh, sentences. And then I can start to l- looking for patterns and see like, what okay, which situations, what are the common threads be- between those, uh, those cases where I really enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. I, I hear the researcher and you're talking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and as I said, like I'm, um, I'm so uh, envious of those persons who find that when they're twenty, and then just like this is the track of my life, and I, I enjoy every minute of them, and then you know it's just like the railroad that everything just flows. But for me, it has taken a bit longer time. It's Maybe part the of your journey. Search and, and never stop. And also enjoy on the way. Whenever you find something new, don't think like, oh, what else do I know? don't I know or what else am I to discover? But also just stay there in a moment and, and enjoy it. Like just Julius, who is on the call now, um, he commented on one of my posts recently that he's submitting one of his papers for the for his studies one, one month in, in advance and then he's doing a celebratory dance. This is how you should be within your zone of genius. You know that, yeah, there are more assignments to come. <laughs> But once you have submitted this one, when you have tackled whatever step it is, you actually take a moment and actually celebrate yourself whatever way it fits. And just that you actually keep reminding yourself that good feeling of being in this exploration. 
And I think like the, the next phase is like, okay, when you have identified what you really enjoy doing, try to, why not optimize your life to do more of those things? But that's, I think that's a difficult part because if you notice that your, your, your work is not aligned with, with what you like doing, then it's a bit of a bigger step. But maybe you can start with, with including more of that in your current work and take like baby steps in the right directions. But, but that's really something I'm, I'm focusing on, trying to do more of what I noticed that I enjoy doing. It's not like a, it sounds like a super simple thing and a super obvious thing to do, but I think me and many others are just, you know, running along. Mm, yeah, for sure. And I think that you gave a really good tip now here. I, first of all, I love how you're expanding your homework with journaling to adding new items to journal on. And I really liked how you give this tip of write down what what did I do today that where I lost track of time or what I really enjoyed doing. Just pay attention to what are you writing down there every day or even every week, uh, whatever your level of commitment is at the moment, the comfortable level for you. Just really focus on that. Like see the start getting all those data points that you actually can have it, like have enough information to to start seeing the trends, identifying them. So that's a great piece of advice I would say for for people to just explore, look at, pay attention to what are you doing. And also maybe add what what did I do that really felt heavy and I didn't enjoy doing it at all. And start looking for patterns there. And then commit to taking action. Because just as you said, Daniel, it's not easy. And especially if we see that we need to make a huge change, it's difficult and scary. And and you feel like I've gone too far in my life. I have too many commitments and so on and so forth, maybe. Or it could be as well a bit of a pride involved there. And I'm not saying it in a bad way. We all have it. It's part of our identity, whatever we're doing. So it can be just feeling too scary or somehow low to give up on that part of ourselves. But start small. Try to break it down into micro steps and find, okay, what kind of tiny thing can I do today to actually get a bit more into alignment? Like one tiny degree closer to the course that I would like to to have. Explore that. I I think you said one very important thing, and that's to take action. Because like uh, take getting too many emails as a concrete example. I mean, you hear the same person complaining of too many emails for years and years. And (laughs) there's a solution to it. So just like write it down, I get too many emails and then set up an action plan and you will solve it in two days. And then that that problem is solved. So just, just focus on, okay, what is good or bad and how do I solve it and take action and do it and go on instead of just like, complaining about it uh, so take action that's really a key key word for, from you there i love it and I, I love the example about the emails and how really to take action and I, sometimes you, you you discuss it in our conversations that sometimes people are feeling that they are inefficient in some way in their days and their schedules and so on and it takes half an hour sometimes to set up a structure just sitting down, thinking, maybe jotting some structure on the paper and then implementing it in whatever software, whether it's your Outlook, whether it's about your emails, whether it's something about your schedule with creating blocks there to actually get things done or enjoying the things that you like to do and have space for them in your calendar. So it does take a commitment, but it's worth it, guys. And it's it's 
it's not about we're giving you extra thing on your plate. It's us trying to explain to you that you have the power. The whole point of genius leadership for me is really to empower you, to, to get your power back, really. To feel like there are things in your life that you can change. There are things in your life that you can affect. And when you focus on them and when you, when you align that with the clarity of where you want to be, you're unstoppable. I, th- I think like one, one thing you need to overcome and, and talking about me, but I think it applies to, to, to many other like leaders and, and people that are listening to your podcast and so on. It's like, okay, I will do it next week because this week my schedule is full. And the key is, I mean, next week, your schedule will approximately look as this week. And in three months, your schedule will look approximately as it did this week. So there will never be an hour or two hours free in your calendar for for doing actions. So you just need to carve out one one hour or two hours each week to do these things. There will never be any any like free spots when it's perfect. And if you wait for them, you need to wait for for your retirement. So just uh, put the stick in the ground and, and mark one hour in your calendar and get going and take action. That's and sometimes even 15 minutes can be nice. Yeah, sometimes even 15 minutes. Yeah. Just yeah. about starting and then seeing the results and effects of that. Like, oh, I got some energy because I've done this. And you just get excited. You, you get more motivated. So you're getting more productive as well. So it's really about finding that tiny step that will be small enough for you to take it as the first one. But yeah, what, but what I'm saying is like you, you need to... You need to prioritize. You need to put in those 15 minutes in your calendar because otherwise it will not happen. And I I mean, I've been procrastinating like that for for like years. And then I decided, okay, now I need to reserve one hour a week for our calls. It's not like I had one hour free in my calendar. What what did you have to give up on that? Let's talk about that. Like, okay, you, you took this step after procrastinating for years. The pros and cons of that or the consequences? So I, I need, really no one questioned it. So the, the current customer didn't ask why, why do you have an hour in your calendar saying private? And like, I think in one case we have moved that hour, but otherwise I, I just, I booked for the whole five months in a row. And then I haven't really experienced any, any issues or problems with it. How about yourself, an internal thing that, okay, I'm spending this hour, that meant that some things you had to drop, right? So were there any tough feelings about that, that feeling bad that you are being selfish for this one hour? Mm, I I think like uh, for me and many others, when you have less time, you're more efficient. So I just know that I have one hour uh, less work on, on Thursdays. I need to be, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> a bit more efficient and then it's no it's no major sacrifice at all how I, I would say and i mean worst case i i can compensate by working one hour at night if it's necessary if i if there's something that needs to be like finished or uh, if it happens once uh, every two months we could move the meeting yeah definitely it's really about making a choice and as you said daniel putting the stick in the ground and really but i think saying. the barrier is to book that hour and when when that's or ordered 15 minutes and when that's done it's you can realize okay it wasn't more difficult than this <laughs> what other things have have you noticed as the results of our work after these 3 months i noticed how little i've been talking leadership before because like my my experience being a project manager is that we talk 
very little leadership on our meetings. When I would meet up with the steering group, it's usually, you know, time, cost, and quality, time, cost, and function, and prioritization. We never talk like, okay, how do you make your team work as good as possible? Or, or the senior manager say, okay, I have this super good leadership idea that, that can increase the productivity of your team by 5%. Uh, try it out or what leadership uh, what leadership uh, ideas do you have daniel and do you do in your meetings that never happens mm. and you feel like it's necessary to have those conversations around around the table i think it could um, improve the time cost and quality a lot because uh, as i see it, time cost and quality are are lagging indicators of how your team is doing and really how the individuals in your team is feeling is being motivated and so on. I mean, if they are super happy, motivated, and think that everything is double thumbs thumbs up, then it will show itself on time, cost, and qualities a few months later. So I th- I think it definitely would have been interesting to do to have a room for that in in your your projects or or I don't know how it is to be a line manager. Maybe the the reality of line managers is totally different, but. Uh, From my experience back in the corporate, it wasn't. There was very little and it was discussed in the end of the agenda when everyone just wants to go to the next meeting because they're minute to minute, 10 minutes away, uh, walk-wise from each other. So they're not there anymore uh, mentally. So that's an issue. And you're talking about that with me as well, that you're like, how can we normalize coaching that we actually talk take those conversations a bit more? So do you have any suggestions how to bring that to the workplaces for our genius leaders leaders tuning in. How can they start that conversation in their workplace? I've been thinking quite a lot on this. And, and the what I see as the best way to, to scale up coaching and leadership coaching would be to, to make managers, the managers that are at companies, to make them great coaches. Because that, that would be the best way to scale because I think it's too high barrier for for all the, the employees at the company to have their own external coach. But say that you are you as a coach, you get to, to teach the managers within a company how to work more as a coach. And then it could scale. Uh, because like if if you draw the parallel to, to sports, I'm I'm really into sports, then every athlete that wants to improve have a coach. It's not like, okay, I, I learned how to ski for two years and then I just do competitions and then try to learn on the competitions. No, you get yourself a coach who can tell you how to do and who can even stand by yourself and say what you're doing wrong. In the workplace, you go to school, you learn your project management stuff, and then you just compete for your whole life without any coach telling you how to improve. And I mean, that's not the best way of developing into a good coach or a good product manager or a good whatever, a good leader. So it's fascinating to look at those two two worlds when in one world, it's, I mean, it's everyone has a coach, 100%. And in the other world, the professional world, I don't know what the percentage of, but I think it's less than 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like how you discussed it in one of our sessions that when you get a responsibility at work for some machine in the factory, for example, you get the training on day one, how to use the machine. When your machine, quote unquote, is your people, when you're managing people, you don't get the training. 
you don't know how to best use the, your tool, so to say, without breaking it. And that's, that's dangerous. And that's what we see in the workplace now with engagement and the mental illness uh, issues. And generally, the, the, also the physical health, how that is affected by people being not led well. But I want to finish. I meant to follow the time that you soon have to take care of your daughter who is coming from school. So I want to be uh, mindful of the time. And I would like to finish on that positive note. So uh, could you give three pieces of advice to our genius leaders uh, about anything? I think it would be a bit of repetition, I think. So the first advice would be to, starting from next week, carve out that 15 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour in your calendar. Make it a, a booking for forever. That's the start of everything. And then the second thing would be we'd be able to, to think about what to fill that 15 to one hour, 15 minutes to one hours with. And one approach would be to look into your personal goals. What are your goals that, you know, you can take whatever theory, but say three years, one years and three months. And if you haven't defined those, take those 15 minutes to one hour and think about what you want to become or what you want to change within that time frame. And once that is done, you, you kind of have something to, to fill your, your time with. Because without a goal, you will just be doing the random walk and you will not you will end up in a pretty much the same position year after year. But with a clear goal goal, you have a direction and you can move forward. And finally it's to try to stay curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that this word sounds more and more on my podcast. Uh, that I did not expect when I started the podcast. I thought it's a word that is not used in the context of leadership, but more and more people are using it. And uh, I'm happy about that. Uh, Daniel, what would be one practical tip advice, piece of advice of yours that people can take as an action from? I know for, for repeating myself and saying the same thing many times. So it's carve out those 15 minutes to one hour. That's a concrete piece of advice. It sounds like it's a very powerful thing. <laughs> Huge impact, I, I can promise you all, if you go from zero to that. Exactly, it's a huge improvement then. Daniel, if people want to connect with you and, and uh, find more about what you're doing or uh, share more of your journey or uh, leadership journey, where can they find you? I think it's easiest to find me on, on LinkedIn. Just uh, search for my name. Yeah, I will put the link in the show notes and uh, I will also share it in the uh, comments for, uh, for the replay. Uh, for the video and to everyone who listening and watching I, I would like to really emphasize that it's it's important to not be alone on this leadership journey just as we discussed with Daniel it's it's important to to ask for help uh, what Daniel has done really brilliantly with his first experience with a coach when he just saw a person whom he looked up to and said hey can I get more of your help and just really be focusing on myself for several hours and he said that it gave him leaps and bounds. So you as a leader, you, you really need support. And if you feel like you would like the support from me, I'm really happy to hop on a call. As Daniel said, we have the strategy calls that are complementary, and we focus on you for 30 minutes and really define your zone of genius and help you start laying out that plan that you can follow to get in alignment with that zone and get into that zone. So I'll also share the link to the calls in the description to the video and in the show notes for the podcast and please reach out to me and I'll be happy to support you and if you were to work for five months then I'm also more than happy to discuss that and see whether we are fit 
Daniel, thank you so much for the conversation and your honesty and uh, openness. Uh, I'm really grateful that you are sharing your experiences and you are also sharing this journey with me. I'm learning just as much uh, from you as you're learning from me. Different ways, different things, but uh, it's, uh, it's a journey that I really, really appreciate. I see the comment from Marianne. Thanks to both of you for demonstrating the value of coaching. Thank you, Marianne, for tuning in and for, for being here with us. Uh, Marianne was here from Canada, which is morning time for her. And we discussed just in the pre-chat that it was at least four countries uh, joining today, which I'm very happy about. And I hope uh, more people will find the value of coaching in whichever form it takes. But really, never stay alone. Uh, ask for help and ask for accountability because we all deserve it. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Anna. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. Remember, I'm always here for you. And I'm happy to connect with you on LinkedIn or via email or hop on a strategy call. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything.